Welcome to the MTM Vegas podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Mark Osterman. We have a great show for you this week. As a reminder, you can watch this show along with all the visuals that go with it at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. We record two shows a week on YouTube and combine them into this podcast for your listening enjoyment. On this week's show, we discussed a ton, including Sphere Las Vegas. We now know when it will open, what its in-house movie will be like, and the crazy ticket prices that will go with it. We'll also tell you how to get in line for YouTube tickets as soon as they announce the dates for that. We also dive into Cosmo rumors. Are they going to lock the balconies? Plus, we'll tell you how they are connecting Cosmo to the rest of City Center. We also discuss the myths behind casino carpet design. Did the Strat lie to customers with their paid parking scheme? The gambler who beat roulette? Where do casinos make the most money? And the quirkiest bathrooms in Las Vegas? Plus a lot more. Stick around for all of that. As a reminder, you can find all of our Vegas content. That's posts, podcasts, and videos at mtmvegas.com. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get it. So, Mark, did you see the pictures of the Huntridge Theater sign lit up for the first time in 15 years? This theater has a really long history. It opened way back in 1944 as a cinema, and then it became a very popular performing arts center. It's on the historic places list, had a famous roof collapse at one point, but it's been closed since 2004 and will eventually reopen. A little piece of Vegas history that maybe people don't know about. Yeah, I'd never heard of it before, and it looks amazing. And and then you see the picture next to it of how decrepit and, and run down it looked. And it's amazing somebody would take the time to put the money back into it. Probably been cheaper, easier to just knock it down. So I'm glad that they preserved the history and it looks like a cool place to go for a movie or whatever. I'm guessing it might be like an artsy type of uh, cinema going forward. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a performing arts venue again. And uh, yeah, this place is, yeah, I remember being a kid and it just was run down and decrepit. Even when it was open for shows, like they did a lot of punk rock stuff back there in the 90s. And I remember when the roof collapsed and it seems like people have always been trying to bring it back to its heyday but finally it has uh, some investors giving it love and great to see that sign lit up it's beautiful architecture located on maryland parkway not far from the strip not far from downtown and hopefully we'll get to see some shows there soon see we're bringing the small shows back there you go we got a theater <laughs> talked a lot about the issues fear so i don't want to discuss a lot of it people can go back to our previous shows to talk about all the kind of woes of the company but they did release a link for verified fan for Ticketmaster, so you can sign up to get on the list to buy tickets when they announce the dates. We still don't know any dates. And you can also go to YouTube.com and sign up for their membership program. I think they have a free option. And it says that those members will get access to tickets first as well. So if you really want to see U2 at the Sphere, do those two things. This feels a bit like, and I know we're going to talk about it in a second, the Strat rollout for parking. Like, hey, we're going to have shows. We finally are going to let you know who. We're not going to let you know when. Sign up and you can maybe get tickets for a date that you don't even know if you can go. It, it, like you should know when the opening days are by now i feel like maybe that's a sign that they're still running behind on construction you know we've seen mixed things said they said it's going to open november for formula one then they said the outside will be done by then so we really don't know and i think that they probably don't have that firm timeline yet but my guess is it's probably getting delayed a little bit more but uh, get on that list that's the first way to find out when the dates come and uh, to get an opportunity to buy them. I've had really bad luck with Verified Fan lately. I haven't been chosen for any shows. Last week's Adele show or Adele sale I uh, got cut out of as well. But tickets were crazy expensive, so I didn't feel too bad. Hey, you know people love to hate on Ticketmaster, so let's get it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mark, it wouldn't be MTM Vegas if we didn't talk about Casino Carpet. And uh, I had this on the agenda for the last couple weeks trying to get to it, but it's been so busy. 
But uh, Casino.org wrote an article about casino carpet myths. And a lot of people do have, like, lore around casino carpets, like why they make them the way they are. And I think casino carpeting has come a long way. We're seeing a lot of new casinos with beautiful carpet. I showed Resorts World Bimini, which I think has one of the nicest carpets I've seen. It's still tropical with the flowers and leaves and stuff, but it's very modern. But we see all kinds. Circa has one of the nicer carpets. But a lot of people think that they do it, you know, to keep you in the casino, to make it dark and stuff. But in reality... They're really just trying to keep it clean, and they have to cover up the dirt because so many people are walking over it. Yeah, I think, you know, the the lack of windows in most casinos is so you lose track of time. I do believe that. I don't think carpet plays much of a role in into that, but, it, you know, it, they do need to hide dirt and people people's pee and all the, <laughs> the other stuff that happens at casinos, you know, and throw it up on the carpet. There you go. People, have, have your drink. We said it. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you brought up the, uh, the peeing, which we... we you know, that peeing video, we, we definitely just thought about covering it, but decided not to. But I'm sure all of you guys out there who follow Vegas have seen that. But another thing about carpet is that it really is for branding, right? You walk into Win and you see that bright red carpet, you know what it is. We even see that with Horseshoe with their new carpet design, which, you know, is not that imaginative. It just has horseshoes on it. But they do, do use it as a way to sort of brand it, give you the feel of the casino, you know, Tropicana always had very tropical carpet. You go down the list. But like I said, I think more new casinos have a more modern take that still allows them to have it clean, but also not just like the flowery designs. Because it seemed like back in the day, every casino just had flowers on their carpet or, you know, that sort of design. Yeah. And I'm glad we finally evolved from that. Okay, worst, worst carpet in Vegas. I will say Virgin Hotels Hallways. <laughs> that orange carpet? Yeah, I think I think you win on that. That's definitely the, the loudest carpet I, I can remember. I, I don't know, but I do love uh, bring it up again give a shout out to slots of fun for their old school vegas carpet let us know what your favorite carpet is and check out that article for like the myths because it's an interesting article and uh, let's talk strat real quick another follow-up to the story on march 27th they told the review journal that there would still be free parking in parts of their garage and of course we knew that wasn't going to happen some elites i think will get free parking so if you're a player at their casino but uh yeah they're going to charge are you sick Oh, go ahead. Are you ashamed to claim that if you're an elite at the Strat to get the free parking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have varying prices, so I will put a, a picture up on the screen so you guys can see exactly what it is. But I don't care that they're charging for parking. I mean, it sucks, but that they lied to everybody, kept hiding this for months. What are they doing? Like, what is the big draw here for parking? Is it people going to the arts district and parking there? I don't even know. Is this really a problem that they need to charge? And at that point, like maybe you get a couple of them to actually go in and grab something to eat on their way out or, or maybe gamble a little bit. So I feel like it's a wash and you're just trying to, get to force the people that do want to come there to gamble to maybe go elsewhere. I mean, if the win isn't charging for parking, how can you charge? Yeah, and speaking of win, here are the resorts on the Strip that have free parking still. The Wynn, the Venetian, Palazzo, Encore, Treasure Island, Trump International Hotel, Circus Circus, Tropicana, and Sahara. So there you go. So I'd still I'd still kind of put Resorts World in there, too, because all you have to do is show your player's card. So that was an easy one to get free. It doesn't even have yeah. to have status. Yeah, and Resorts World makes it super easy because even if you don't have your card, you can use the app. Uh, if you have a player's card account. So I'm good with that. Like I said, if it's a business decision, it is one, but just don't lie to people and hide that it's coming. And again, a quote to the review journal on their March 27th article says the first two floors will be free, which sounds insane too. Cause people are like, why would the first two floors be free? And then I don't know, but that's what they said. I even went back and checked it this morning. So shame on strats, not for charging, but for not being honest with their customers. Hopefully and you for can, charging. 
Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see this article in Bloomberg about beating roulette and this guy named Nico Tosa, who kind of figured out how to beat roulette systems by kind of analyzing the wheel, looking for flaws in the way that it spun. And there, the story kind of follows him in the Ritz Club in London, where he took out like 1.3 million pounds by the time he was done back in 2004. And it kind of talks about the evolution of roulette and how they've kind of counteracted these measures that people use to met to see how the wheel is going to land. Even in like online roulette, I did like learn that people in early days were using programs to analyze it. And now they're using like weird lasers and different things to randomize it. They've even redesigned roulette wheels in physical casinos to add like lips and to make sure that they don't have any imperfections. And now they're using like computerized systems to make sure it's completely level and even. But apparently, like back in the day, if you could find a wheel and see where the imperfections were, the ball would almost always drop in the same spot. It's an interesting article, kind of breaks it all down, but it was possible to beat roulette. Yeah, I found it really, really interesting. You know, if you can flip where you don't need two or three numbers on a roulette wheel, depending on how many zeros and all that, you can, you know, transfer the odds to your favor. And, and you know, when we first started gambling at 20, 21, wherever, depending on where you went, uh, there was those big ridges around the the roulette wheel that would make the ball bounce, but those ended up, some would get worn down and it would kind of create a pattern and stuff. And that's why you see just the lips around the numbers, which I thought was interesting. And then also the online stuff, you know, is probably more noticeable now because, you know, if they just have like the carpet going to a wood floor area and slightly off balance, people with computers can figure out where that's, you know, more likely to drop and they're hitting up these casinos early on, even before their own internal investigators would catch on or, or catch it. You know, they, these online casinos kind of present some opportunities for people. A lot of the one, like in Michigan, a lot of the casinos use the same company. They they don't have their own live dealer company. So you can play three different casinos and you'd be at the same table from all these different casinos, which offers you some, some opportunity if you have you know, match bets and all that type of stuff, promos going on. Um, so it's just, you know, a new game that people are trying to figure out how they can get their advantage. Back in 2004, they investigated this. They thought they were using some sort of electronic uh, thing. There was Palm him and two players. <laughs> Remember Palm Violets? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they didn't find anything. And he basically claims that he was able to study the wheel and figure out where the ball was going to drop. And you're not always right, but they're able to predict with good enough accuracy, like I said, to flip the odds in their favor, and then over time you're going to win because you're going to get it wrong once in a while, but as long as you get it right, more often than not. And sometimes they would go 10, 12 different spins and win in a row, which is you know insane in roulette. So uh, definitely check out that yeah. Bloomberg article. Really cool. Yeah, I thought it was uh... – Super interesting, you know, when they were talking about how he would wait until the the ball had been spun and then wait a couple seconds. And they said the only way to negate this type of thing or this type of game or this advantage is to not allow bets once the ball is spun. But they won't do that because there's such a small amount of people that know how to do this, as well as that, you know, cuts off a whole bunch of extra bets of people walking up to the table and throwing it down. So I thought it was kind of funny that they could counteract this very easily, but they won't because there's more money to be made. Yeah, people love to throw their bets down you because you feel like you got a better sense of the wheel, I guess, uh, once it's already spinning. So that's where people love to do it. But, you know, in reality, you probably don't. 
And the other thing is that we've seen, you know, adding extra zeros. Triple zero in some places. Yeah, triple zero, yeah. Quadruple zero coming soon. (laughs) (laughs) Coming to the Strat in the parking lot. So where do casinos have the highest margins? Las Vegas Advisor had a cool article about this, interviewing a a couple of former casino executives here in Las Vegas, talking about where the revenue, where the greatest profit is driven. And it's clear that it is the casino, although the biggest revenue comes from the hotel, which makes a lot of sense. uh, But profit margins are going to vary based on, you know, what the rates they can get because they really have a fixed cost on a hotel room to clean it, to maintain it. And on some nights they can charge a lot more, so their profit margins may be higher. But one interesting thing in the article was just talking about restaurants and comps and how they inflate the prices of food at restaurants because a lot of people are using comps in them and that makes them feel like they're getting more value. This is something we see in our like travel side, right? People think that they're getting insane value using points. They didn't really get that because they weren't gonna pay that value. But it's interesting how they play these mind games. Yeah, and it's kind of counterintuitive when you think about it, because nowadays you're just redeeming, you know, points for a penny for most places. So you're just having to redeem more points. Back in the day when they would just write out like a comp on a a piece of paper and say, here you go, two free dinners or whatever. That made more sense because you're like, hey, I just got a $60 dinner or whatever, when now you have to redeem more points. So it's kind of funny in that aspect that it still makes us think we're getting more value when we're getting less. But it's not surprising. We've seen the prices, uh, you know. And this also offsets them so much. Like, a lot of their profit is coming in the restaurants on paper. The profit's coming from these comp players uh, where they said if they didn't have that, they would go bankrupt, which it may be, but you'd also probably have lower prices and, and be more, you know, competition compared to off strip and people would eat there more. So I don't know if I buy that totally. I think that was more the case in old Las Vegas. Now we have so many different restaurants from different, you know, operators, things like that, higher end stuff. But like the casino coffee shop back in the day, I think clearly operated like that a lot of the time. And, you know, you would see it in the service and in the experience you know, they weren't really worrying about the customer as much. Uh, so I, I think still that happens at the Bellagio. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure there are still restaurants that especially like the coffee shops at some of the hotels uh, where we do see really high prices compared to similar food elsewhere. They're probably relying heavily on comps or at least a good portion of it. And, yeah, it's interesting to see how they account for that. The casino still is the king in Las Vegas, but it's still driving a a significant amount of the revenue and and everything else. But they've diversified a lot more because I think it used to be a much bigger part of the chunk back in the day. Yeah, it just shows you how how intertwined gambling is to everything. Like people are staying at the rooms and a big portion of those are comped or discounted for players. You know, they're dining in the restaurants and they're only dining there because they have comps. So it's kind of like the one thing that feeds everything else. You know, show tickets, getting comp tickets, getting discounts, or they use their points to pay for them, stuff like that. So I think, you know, it basically has its hands in everything, which is is to be expected. But good to see that that's still the case in Vegas. Now, Las Vegas has a history of crazy proposed projects, including the most recent one, which was that Moon Resort that supposedly was going to go on the Win West land, which, you know, I don't even haven't heard anything about I like that. like the Atari, the Atari Resort. Yeah, the Atari. That was supposed to get built. <laughs> COVID kind of killed that one if it was ever going to happen. There's some older ones back in the day, uh, but uh, this one I, I think takes the cake because it's not on the strip. It's called Harlem Nights. 
sitting on about two acres of land in the historic west side of Las Vegas. The historic west side, basically, when Las Vegas was a young city, kind of west of where the 15 is now, north of downtown, that's called the west side because that really was the west side of town. And it's an area that hasn't been as economically vibrant as some others. A lot of businesses have gone away and they don't have a lot of investment there recently. But uh, this guy wants to build Harlem Nights there, a 1920s Harlem-themed resort on just two acres of land. He wants to build it 67 stories tall. Now the zoning only allows for seven stories. It says it's going to be 687 <laughs> feet tall, 764 hotel rooms, 458 residential units, a 900 seat theater. Now Mark, you and I looked at the aerial of this and I will show it to people now. You can see it just doesn't belong in this area. I, do I doubt they're going to even approve this. The planning commission has recommended denial, although the city council could overrule them on this. It says it's going to be $700 million investment. But question one, does this belong in the area? And question two, do you think anybody would go there if the, even if they built it? Yeah, I think that this is uh, more pie in the sky than all net arena, to be, <laughs> to be honest. Because, honest, I mean, you have all these uh, residential units and there's nothing for a resident to go to within walking distance, really, from the aerials I saw. And we're, we're two acres. Like, where are you going to put all this stuff for two acres? Parking. Are people going to drive over there? Uh, you know, there's no, no walkability around it. It just seems bizarre. And I love that it's like the 1920s, but it looks like 1984 Tron on the outside of the building with the lights and everything. So I don't I don't really get it. I do wish somebody would do something like Roaring Twenties. I think that would be cool. Even if it's just like a show, a dinner show, you know, like watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You know, you go into these big rooms where you're eating dinner and comedians up. I'd like something like that, like classy to come back, you know, with uh, singers and everything. I think that'd be really cool, like old school Vegas throwback show. I'm not against the Harlem themed resort either. I just don't understand the true the picking this property uh, in, in this area. You can see it's pretty far from downtown. I mean, it's not you know five or ten minute drive, but like you said, it's not going to have any synergy with other properties. It's way too tall. Like, can you imagine owning the house on the next street? You're going to have this big shadow over your property. I mean, <laughs> seven talking... stories would be tall for the area. I feel like much less. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you're talking about the second tallest building if this is it's built in Las Vegas behind Fountain Blue, I believe. Uh, even taller than the Guitar Tower that's proposed. Slightly taller than Resorts World. So this is an insane project. It's not Manhattan. So I don't know what what he's thinking. Why not build something more modest if you want to do something in that area? And maybe build a 15-story structure, get a little bit of a variance. But he's going for the sky. I guess I hope he can do it. I mean, we're always happy to see new projects. But with things like the Dream shutting down because they can't get financing, hard to believe that banks are going to back this thing up for $700 million. But crazier things will happen, I guess. Uh, I'm going to put this in the no. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. So, Mark, the bad boys better watch out because Cops is back in town filming. Las Vegas was one of the original cities on Cops way back, I think, in the late 80s. They were filming here in Las Vegas and did it throughout their run. So, uh, yeah, what you going to do? Bad boys, bad boys. I remember watching it some of the 90s. I didn't know it was still going on. I haven't watched it in forever. But, you know, nothing's better. Nothing tells better stories than real life. So just amazing stuff. And, and Vegas is like the perfect place for it. All the craziness that goes down there. And maybe, you know, the strip will be a little bit safer with the cops walking around with cameras. I, you know, I think going back to those episodes in like the 80s and 90s of cops in Las Vegas would be a great way to see, you know, that era of Las Vegas and 
you know, some things never change while so so many other things have. Yeah, like uh, pestering people on the, the walking bridges, man. That's right. The one's coming later this year. We're talking about it, but the pain is happening now with the repaving. They're repaving for the next couple of months, and we knew that was going to happen, but now we're seeing pictures and videos of what it's like in real life. The strip down to one lane in each direction, and it's pretty ugly, and it's going to look beautiful after that until those cars tear it up in a few months. Yeah, you know, we made jokes about them doing this, and then they have to redo it, so, like, what's the point? But I understand there's layers to it. You know, in the in one of the taxi guys on Twitter said 25 minutes to get from what Aria to win, which is just nuts when you think about it. It's such a I feel like you could walk it almost in 25 minutes. So to do this, to add this to already the traffic issues that Vegas has and then the highway issues and all that stuff. It's just I'm, I'm glad I'm not going to be there this summer. Uh, my next trip is planned to be after Formula One. So I'll miss all this craziness. And I feel for everybody that's going there. Like maybe you just go to your resort and only hit places that you can walk to around it. I don't know. It's just tough. Yeah. And I wonder how well this will hold up. Do they have to repave it after the race too? Cause I had heard some rumblings that, you know, those cars really tear up the track. So I don't know if we're, and we're going to have a serious? race every year. So we, we, <laughs> this could be an annual thing for months. They do that here in Michigan, but that's just because they like always lay the wrong concrete or something. So they have to tear it up six months later and redo it. But they're just <laughs> going to do it like three different times in a year. Oh, man. I would be, if I was a Vegas resident, I'd be like, no more Formula One. I hope it's a one-year thing. Yeah. I mean, I think at least it's going to be every year before the race, right? I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe maybe not. Hopefully not. But it's uh, pretty ugly out there. Uh, we have an update for Link in that area where they took out all the table games. Now, somebody uh, sent me a message saying that it's going to be the entrance for a nightclub. And there is construction. There's a construction wall there. I haven't been able to confirm that. But we noticed that they're putting in slot machines there now, although it's very sparse. So maybe these are temporary or, you know, maybe they'll have just a few slots there while they have the entrance. But uh, it's something moving along there. I doubt the table games are going to come back, though. Yeah, it does. It looks a little weird, like a waiting room that they're just like, oh, let's throw some, you know, some machines in there and fill up the space a bit. It's very sporadic. And so maybe that does make sense if they would leave them there with the entry to the nightclub, but I would think if you're building out this nightclub, you want it to be like the feature item. So who knows, but it just looks like a weird area. It doesn't look good. The table games probably look better just leaving there with nothing. I don't know. It just seems weird. Yeah. We'll see how it turns out, but I mean, slot machines are easy enough to put in and take out. So, you know, this could just be temporary filler for wherever they're going to go with this space because they are doing wider construction in, in some walls. So we'll keep an eye on that. Speaking of construction, we got a better look at the Cosmo connection and where it's going to connect to the Bellagio Vidara Bridge, and uh, it's looking pretty good. It looks like it always should have been this way, right? I mean, Cosmo sitting right in the middle of all these properties, it always felt like it should have been connected in some way. And there's some concept art on the walls too, which actually shows the Vidara Bridge, which was uncovered, being fully enclosed as well. So you're gonna have fully enclosed bridges and connections, making it feel a little bit higher end. A good improvement, although, you know, it's still, uh, if you wanna get all the way to Aria, if you wanna make that walk, it's still uncovered between Vidara and Aria. But you can just take the tram into Aria as well. We need the moving walkways, though. They need to add those in. <laughs> Otherwise, is it really a walking bridge if there's no moving walkways? But no, it's good to see. And I kind of understand why they didn't do it originally, because MGM knows everybody would leave to go to Cosmo. And now they don't care because they own it. Uh, so it makes sense. And it should be a lot easier to get around between those properties, even if the walk, you know, is part outdoor, part indoor. But I like that it's covered because, you know, in the in the December, January, it gets a little bit colder, rainy. 
and in the summer you don't want to be outside any more than you have to be yeah the original bridge connecting bellagio and vidara and the station always felt like very industrial so this feels like it's more keeping everything together so i like that now there were rumors uh that Cosmo is considering closing their balconies permanently. Vital Vegas covered the rumor. Other people said there's rumors that it's just going to be for the Formula One race. I think that would be curious because people have probably booked those rooms expecting them to be able to go out and look. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could probably cancel, I would imagine. But uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think this is going to happen. It is a rumor. It seems like that is the main distinguishing factor of that property. It's been open quite a while. Honestly, I'm sure people have jumped from there, but we haven't heard about it. But uh, I hope that they keep them. I mean, it would be a big loss for Cosmo if MGM decides to shutter them. Yeah, I think that's kind of the, the main feature and why people book those rooms. I know you said you love that room. Uh, Bethany at Bougie Miles has said it too, like her favorite room. Having that is something special, something you don't see elsewhere. So if you shut that down, you're going to lose a lot. And those rooms are expensive too. So you're going to lose that money, that flow. People aren't going to be willing to pay that upcharge without being able to go outside and enjoy that. And it's always cool to like start off the night on an outdoor patio, your own patio, have a couple drinks you bought at the ABC store or CVS. <laughs> something that Vegas has a lot of both. But, you know, to shut it down, I hope not. That would be sad. It would be an MGM thing to do, but it would be sad. Not to mention the rooms don't have the views because the patios are there so the patio really gives you the view the balcony does like there's rooms that have bathtubs that kind of look out onto that so you would really be restricting these rooms in a in a big way it's not like shuttering some of those fake balconies that you have on some properties or those doors that open up with like like Juliet. yeah <laughs> so i mean these are real balconies and uh, i don't think it's going to happen but i thought it was worth at least sharing that there's these rumors competing rumors about whether it's going to be for the formula one race or permanently, but I think it would be a huge mistake. Now, Tasting Table released their list of the 20 best Italian restaurants in the United States, and uh, three of them are in Las Vegas. Now, Tasting Table is apparently this really high-end culinary magazine out of New York, so I guess they went and they tried all these places, but on the list is Brezza, which is at Resorts World, and Carbone, which is at Aria, which is a long-known, and they said Carbone in all of their locations, so that kind of includes the Las Vegas one, and then Esther's Kitchen, which is in the Arts District downtown, a restaurant that's been so popular, they're about to move to a bigger space, but one of the best Italian restaurants in the country. I'm actually hoping to eat there this this weekend, but uh, we'll see if I can get in. Reservations are tough. Yeah, I, you know, they ruined pizza, though. Did you look at that? With <laughs> they put Brussels sourdough, sprouts everything kale. sourdough there. They, they put kale on pizza. Like, come on, you can't put kale on a pizza. You just can't. It's not right. Uh, we don't need it to be like a salad on a pizza. So that was my only takeaway. Esther's looks really cool. The pictures I've seen, I've heard, only heard great things. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see when they move to the bigger place, if it's easier to get in there and, and everything. But uh, yeah, the one at uh, Resorts World always is busy. But Carbone, like if you're including all the locations, I feel like it's a little bit cheap because you know, if you go from one to the other, certain locations are a lot better than others. So I don't know. I've, I haven't heard as great of glowing reviews about Carbone as the other ones. I enjoyed my meal at Carbone. And the problem with the one in New York City is you can't get in there because you have to know a member or you know you have to really get juiced in there so i think the one in vegas is the one that you can you know actually eat at and i have heard that it's not quite as good as the new york city main original location but uh, i still thought it was pretty good uh but yeah hopefully uh, i can talk about esther's kitchen because i'm hoping to get in there uh, without a huge line because i couldn't get reservations for for this weekend so we'll see but uh yeah, good to see that. And good to see, you know, Esther's Kitchen, a more local, lesser-known brand getting in there, not on the Strip, 
you know, some place that's in the arts district that's really helping to revitalize downtown. And, uh, you know, they're moving just a half a block away when they move, so it won't be a huge issue for people who love it there. So we were inspired this week. Uh, Mark Meltzer shared the picture of the disco restroom at Resorts World on Twitter, which inspired me to try to find the most interesting bathrooms in Las Vegas. And I think that's one of them. It's really cool. I remember when Resorts World opened, you know, I went there at 6 a.m. The first morning it was open, filmed everything. And so I was like there all by myself. But just going in there, not knowing what to expect, it's right off the food court there and uh, the food hall. Sorry, Mark. And, no, uh, no, you got it right the first time. <laughs> And uh, I just walked in there. I'm like, what the heck is this place? And I think it is one of the most interesting restrooms in Vegas. It's just so over-the-top, crazy, glittering disco balls, animal prints on the walls, different LED colors. It changes colors even. I really love it. And we'll have a few more to talk about. But what what is your most interesting one that you've seen? Skyfall. Yeah, that bathroom is just kind of crazy, Like especially if you're uh, sitting down to go to the bathroom. (laughs) bathroom and it's just like glass and windows and you're staring out while you're doing your business you know my wife went in there uh, and she came out she's like that was really weird like i felt sitting there everything (laughs) while going to the bathroom she's like it felt uncomfortable and cool at the same time so i really do like that one it's something unique and and something that's still kind of private even though it feels like it's not yeah that's a really cool restroom and certainly belongs on this list but, of course, the top of the list is uh, the bathroom at Main Street Station where you can pee on the Berlin Wall. I happened to uh, be with Mark the first time he got to experience this Vegas unique thing, and he just absolutely <laughs> loved it, despite the fact that he's yeah. trashing it right now. <laughs> uh, no, it's, I mean, but, it's the best place for $3 beers to go when you're, you're getting them. I don't think they're $3 anymore. They've just, I think they're like 5 yeah, bucks now. And I remember the day, just less than 10 years ago, they were like $1.50. But, yeah, you can go in there. The Berlin Wall is there. It's very unique. Now, it's in the men's restroom. It's kind of the right of the buffet. And if you are a woman and want to go in there and try it, you can often ask an attendant or somebody working there. They'll clear the bathroom for you. I guess it really depends on how busy it is. But I know that my wife has been able to see it because of that. So they'll help you out trying to get in there and making sure that, you know, nobody comes in while you're looking really quick. So it should be hopefully accessible to everybody. Although I don't know why they didn't just put part of it in one bathroom and part of it in the other. That would have, that's a little misogyny there, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it makes for funny Instagram photos, I guess, if you can get in there and take a picture. (laughs) Yeah. So some other ones, Scotch 80 Prime at the Palms has this like pink, Looks like very French over the top stall, and it's just the stall within the bathroom. So you got to find the secret stall, and I didn't know about that. And I looked at, I was looking up, you know, trying to find other bathrooms, and there was a Vegas Eater article from 2019, and that's where I saw this. And there was other this other cool one paid in full. Now this restaurant closed unfortunately a couple years ago, but it had a disco ball and like a pink unicorn and all this other stuff. Maybe the disco ball is what inspired Resorts World. I don't know. That one's creepy, man. I thought that looked really, really creepy. And it looked like Resorts World, but a lot less. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, the inspiration. But I'm sure there's others, so I would love for people to let us know in the comments that you're... I have one. Okay. I was at an establishment, you know, those type of establishments. And I don't remember exactly when. It was the end of the night. Um, And you go in, and it's a unisex bathroom. And it, it, all the doors are like glass. So you, you can see into every stall and you're like, what is this? Like, okay, there's women walking through men. And then when you uh, hit the lock on the door, it frosts the glass. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's, uh, that does sound kind of cool. So yeah, let us know what you guys have seen. I'm I sure can't remember where ones. it was. 
It was <laughs> one of the clocks. I'm sure somebody know. knows. Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll let us know. <laughs> So there's a big battle in the state legislature, or not really a big battle. So back during the pandemic, they passed SB4, which essentially required the hotels to do daily housekeeping to prevent COVID or to clean services, disinfect them. And now there's a bill, SB441, that's designed to repeal that. And basically, everybody's on board with repealing this, all the hotels, all the casinos, uh, even the health district here, because it's putting such a tax on them to basically enforce this. And on the other side is the culinary union who wants to protect their workers and says that this needs to be codified into law. So, you know, on one hand, we do know that the hotels, casinos, they're going to cut back on daily housekeeping if they don't have a requirement. But on the other hand, there was never a requirement before COVID. So why would this stick around? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And they also say that a lot of customers don't necessarily want full daily housekeeping. Plus, they're really still struggling to find housekeepers. I, I mean, is this even enforced, really? We've talked about how dirty the rooms are in Vegas. And I can't remember the last time they came in my room while I was there, you know, during COVID, before COVID. So I don't even know that this is a thing. Like, it's a law, but I don't think anybody's following it very well. Maybe they walk in and do some spritz and walk out. I don't know. But it doesn't seem like they're going in there and cleaning any, you know, harder than they were before or any more often. So I don't think it should be, a, you know, a law because they're not following anyway. What's the point? It's like uh, those weird laws you hear about, like in Minnesota, that you can't drive a ye yellow car through the city or something that they, <laughs> they're still on the books, but they don't enforce them. Yeah, we need to get rid of this just because it wasn't something before. And, you know, I understand the culinary union's position, but even when this when the health district comes out and says it's not needed, I don't know, uh, like, what defense you really have there. Did you see the president of the culinary union's name or the secretary treasurer? His name is Ted Papa George, which is so close to, like, Papa, Papa Giorgio. Giorgio. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, <laughs> I got a little bit of a kick out of that. I don't know. But uh, because we're children yeah, here, essentially. <laughs> All right. And finally, uh, the sphere. We now know when it's going to open. And it's no longer the MSG sphere, so we should stop calling it that, Mark. It's the sphere, sphere or yeah, <laughs> it's sphere or the sphere. I guess it's actually just Sphere Las Vegas. Uh, but they finally ex announced when their in-house show is going to start, and it's called Postcard from Earth. And tickets are on sale now. October sixth will be the first showing. Tickets are ranging from forty nine dollars to one hundred and ninety nine dollars, and are on sale on Ticketmaster. Now, $49 is going to get you towards the back, $199 front row seats. This is essentially a movie, so you're paying $200 to see a one-hour movie. Now, they nope. do say that it's their 22nd century technology. There's 16K by 16K what does that screens. Mean? <laughs> all, you know, immersive sound, everything. I think basically that this is unlike anything else in the world, but it's going to be a lot to fill those seats at those prices. Hold up. I thought like there were screens everywhere and that was the point of this thing. So if you're in the back, what's the difference? Like you're, you're supposed to have screens all over you. So I don't see why anybody would pay a premium. Maybe you get like sprayed with the 4D activity better. You get more s smells or, and then they're like, your chair will vibrate when, you know, thunder rolls through. I'm like, hasn't that been a thing for a while? What is, what is new here? Yeah. That's been on like 4D rides at the Adventure <laughs> Dome, at SpongeBob uh, the ride since uh, for a while. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think this is going to be incredible. The, the, the level of sound that they're talking about and the screens are great i think because the further forward you are the further down you'll be i think you'll be more immersed and you'll have you know more screens over you and you'll, you'll kind of be more in the middle of the action whereas if you're further back you're going to be higher up and probably a little bit better less, have like so. massage things in those chairs or something for 200 yeah. bucks 
<laughs> now, I was looking at like the middle sections. They're about, you know, $79, $99, depending on the showing. So I, I was almost going to buy a ticket for the first weekend. I probably will, so I can talk about it. Yes. But it was admittedly painful for me to kind of contemplate giving up 100 bucks because I don't want to sit in the very back. So giving up 100 bucks to sit in the middle. So I don't know. I, I, I'm, I probably will do it. But I mean, they have 20,000 seats. They're not going to fill all those. They can't. Yeah. And this is going to be like an ongoing, you know, daily, whatever, often thing. So it's not like it's a, oh, you only have three days to book this, you know, so the prices seem crazy to me. I know they got to make their money back somehow, but maybe they'll do <laughs> like this will be the no, the new movie theater. They'll bring in all the new movies. So. So you can watch it in there instead of the uh, the IMAX or whatever. It's going to be the Sphere uh, movie theater. I, I don't know. This just seems strange. But, I mean, it could be really cool if they take advantage of it and they have enough people that are willing to create new stuff. Yeah, James Dolan said the Sphere provides a new medium for directors, artists, and brands to create experiences that cannot be seen or told anywhere else. And Sphere experiences are just one of the ways we will use the venue's technologies to engage the senses and transport audiences to places both real and imagined. So, I mean, this is a kind of a, a thing that it seems like they may want to partner with brands to, to create unique experiences or temporary experiences. So I could see a lot of this, but again... You know, it's hard to imagine paying a hundred, two hundred dollars to watch a movie, but maybe it's going to be that good. So an hour-long we'll movie too, not even three yeah. hours. Yeah, it's crazy to see the <laughs> ticket mask because it's on the tickets are on sale on Ticketmaster, so you can see the how many seats there are, and there's just so many seats. And you know, so you, also, are you gonna if you buy a cheap seat, are they gonna like keep you from moving up? Because you gonna you know these are not gonna be full, especially if you <sighs> the do Chris like an Angel option. effect. We can just uh, we can seat fill. That's how we get the free tickets. Yeah, there you go. We gotta get on uh, house seats. Maybe they'll do seat fillers there. But I guess the big news is October sixth. That is the uh, opening of the Sphere. So we know it's going to open. They're selling tickets. We still don't know the U two show dates, but this is good news, I guess. I have to imagine this is going to play into like what we talked about la- last episode about the synergy of casinos and how the restaurants, you know, are profitable because of comps and stuff. I, I'm they're going to throw these tickets at people, I would think, and work with a casino and 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 partner in some way that they give the casino something discount. I would have to imagine they would do some type of tie-in with one of these programs to fill those seats. We shall see. Thank you for listening to this episode of the MTM Vegas podcast. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories and mtmvegas.com for all of our Vegas content. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next time.